Good morning. My name is Peter Camerano. I'm one of the pastors here at Chapelwood United Methodist Church. I want to welcome you as we gather together for worship this morning. Uh, we start a new series uh, looking at uh, acts of faith in a diverse world. Um, as the world continues to get more and more diverse, uh, how do we as Christians uh, affirm our identity, uh, continue our beliefs and practices uh, in a world that continues uh, to get more and more splintered? Um, what is the way, what are, what are the ways in which we become fluent, not only in our own language of faith, but in the language of the world around us? I'm glad that you're here. If you're a guest, I hope that you have a time of worship uh, that connects you with God and connects you with your faith. Um, and why don't we take a moment uh, for today and stand up and greet each other and connect each other. Please join me in our prayer for illumination. We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that unity will one day be restored. Open our hearts and minds to the reading of your word and let them form our lives, Lord, so that all we know us as your disciples by our great love. We're beginning a, a series, Acts of Faith in a Diverse World. Acts of Faith in a Diverse World. Do any of you know the magic of the uh, number 2042? 2042 is the year that uh, demographers and statisticians say that uh, in the Texas area, um, uh, that uh, Anglo folk will be a minority and Hispanic folk will be a majority. 2042 is that magic date, that tipping point uh, where um, diversity will be uh, much more present you could imagine uh, use of Spanish being far more common. Uh, you could imagine the world looking and feeling different, uh, better, uh, more diverse. Now the changes that are coming are being resisted by some people. Um, some of the ways in which we resist are by refusing to learn languages, by uh, moving to gated communities, by making strong statements about dogma and about opinion. Now there are some who push really hard that in a diverse world, we all should become more diverse. That if we give up the things that make us different and that we capitalize on things that make us similar, that though we'll lose our identity, in the midst of the diversity, we'll all be one. Acts of faith in a diverse world. What is the response? Is it about erasing boundaries so that we all look the same? Or is it about hunkering down, I think as one famous Texas politician said, um, and making sure that difference doesn't come to us? These are common uh, headlines uh, that happen throughout the country and recently in the last month happened in our own high school where there is a pride and um, a desire for uh, difference, but sometimes at the expense of the dignity and safety of others. Acts of faith in a diverse world. We look at scripture this morning. Uh, the story from uh, the Tower of Babel is a wonderful story. It's after uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. It's after um, 
uh, Noah's Ark, um, it is after. Uh, so you have this moment uh, in Scripture uh, where the people all speak one language and they all have uh, one desire, and so they decide they will build a tower up to heaven. And because they have one mind, and because they have one language, they are wildly successful at making a name for themselves. They do such a good job of building a tower that uh, God gets um, focused in on what's going on and looks down and says, look at them. They have the same language. They have the same purpose. And uh, who knows what they will be able to do because of it. Now, some historians and theologians would tell us that uh, why would you build a tower up to heaven? Well, most likely if you had all the same language and of the same mind and wanted to make a name for yourself, you would build a tower to heaven so that you could assault heaven, kick God off the throne, and be in charge yourself. Such a strange idea to our culture. And so God uh, says, um, let us go down and uh, mess up what they're doing. Uh, God comes down and scatters them to the four corners of the world. He um, takes their language and um, uh, messes it up in such a way that they are only speaking babbling words to each other. Uh, the story is where we get the place name for the Tower of Babel, but also where we get the word Babel. Uh, so, in the effort of making a name for themselves against God's reign, God scatters them, squashes them, and the only reason we know about the story is to tell the story about how at one time people thought they were uh, prideful enough uh, to be more important than God. It seems like a one-off story. It's never really talked about very much again until we get all the way down to Pentecost. In the book of Acts, uh, we have the story of how uh, Jesus has ascended into heaven and has promised and invited the disciples to go to Jerusalem and to wait there until they receive power from on high. And so there in an enclosed room, they are waiting for power from on high. They are there in Jerusalem during one of the uh, high holy festivals. Uh, Jews from all over the world have traveled to Jerusalem for this festival. They are swarming outside the house. There are vendors, there are celebrations, there are pilgrims. And God shows up by a rush of wind and tongues of fire and the evidence of uh, languages that they did not know, that they now were able to speak fluently, they were able to proclaim the story of the gospel. And so they scattered the gospel message to the four corners of the world by telling the people right outside their door the story of Jesus. That the name of Jesus is known far and wide because God reached down from heaven and gave the gift of the Spirit. Do you see the differences? All of humanity speaking one tongue, all of humanity with one idea, uh, being better than God, uh, reaching up to heaven to conquer God. On the other hand, God reaches down 
gives a gift of language, allows for the name of Jesus to be spread everywhere and makes a difference in the world. One is a story about uniformity and the other is the story of unity. Uniformity versus unity. Uh, it makes me think of, for those of you who are old like me, the Robin Williams in Dead Poets Society. He takes the class outside and says, find your gate, find your walk, find your path. And within two minutes, they're marching lock and step as if they're in a marching band. The moment of individuality becomes conformed to uniformity. I was reading about cultural fads and found the one that in 1976, uh, one guy got tired of hearing about his friends talk about all the demanding things they had to do to take care of their pets, how they had to feed them, take them to the vet, make sure they got walked and brushed and everything else. And so he thought, huh, I wonder if we could have a pet that needed nothing. <laughs> and so for $3.75, you could buy a pet rock. It was all the rage in 1976. You could buy, for $3.75, you could find a rock in a store that looked almost shockingly like the one you could dig up in your backyard, but this one had eyes and hair, and everybody went crazy for it, and the guy who originated pet rocks made a million dollars in one year easily. But the challenge of cultural fads is that the uniformity gets old, and so pet rocks turned into something else. Barbies or Cabbage Patch dolls or Tickle Me Elmo, Lord have mercy, right? Uniformity and unity. What does God call us to? Are we to be lockstep, marching as a band off into the distance to accomplish some conquering victory for the Lord? Or does God call us to be united in the spirit? to be those who wander all in the same place. Maybe uh, Tolkien isn't wrong when he says all who wander are not lost. Are we called to uniformity or are we called to unity? John Wesley said in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, charity. That certainly sounds like the world that we live in. There'll be lots of charity at General Conference in April. Charity as some vote to try and split the church. Uh, charity as we all argue about what is essential and what is non-essential. It's come to the point to where in any conversation, theological or political, there is no more mighty middle. The hardening of the categories have meant that everyone is either Tea Party or Bernie Sanders, and there's nothing in the middle. What has God called us to be? Uniform or united? Sometimes I think we spend our time uh, either as um, um, people at church or people in the public square or people in schools of making a name for ourselves, of building up a structure that will live on after us, giving ourselves a legacy that will be known forever. We live in a Babel world a Tower of Babel world, where we try hard to make a name for ourselves. But God calls us not to make a name for ourselves, but rather to respond to the movement of the Spirit, to spread not our name, but God's name, to be about uh, not pridefully creating a monument to our own abilities, but instead scattering to the four corners of the world the message of the gospel so that all might know 
of Jesus. You know, as Methodists, we used to have a great deep uh, tradition of Pentecostalism. I know that's terrifying to say, right? Uh, but the Azusa Street Revival, uh, which birthed uh, the charismatic church in America, got its start at a Methodist church in California. That when we think about uh, the Holy Spirit, we, we often start looking at our shoes because we're a little bit terrified. What if we lose control? Uh, what if we're not in charge? Uh, what if God's in charge? That seems like a terrifying idea to good methodical Methodists. But when you look at Scripture, an encounter of the Spirit often lends itself to a moment of repentance. That being confronted with the presence of God, uh, being on holy ground, uh, being in the presence of God's angels and cherubim and seraphim often humble someone to the point where they realize how flawed they are and how much in need of God they are. Acts of faith in a diverse world. It'd be easy for me to say that we should all go out and uniformly say the same things to everyone and make sure that everyone looks just like us. But I'm afraid an encounter with the Holy Spirit calls us to say, I may not have it all figured out. There may be mystery in God's world. There may be mystery in the recognition of grace that maybe my first step of having an act of faith in a diverse world is not to trumpet what I'm right about, but to apologize for what I should be more quiet about. I mean, we find division often, whether it's inside the church, the denomination, or the world around us. That the idea of being charitable and caring is not something that happens in a religious conversation. It's short distance to move from arguing scripture to arguing dogma to arguing opinion and ostracizing people for having the wrong opinion. God does not call us to build a Tower of Babel for a denomination, not to make a name for ourselves, not to work from pride, but rather to sit and to wait and to receive the gift of the Spirit, which quite often would lead to repentance. Instead of telling each person that comes down the pathway, the four spiritual laws or the uh, track that will save them or uh, trying to make sure that if you died tonight, would you know where you're going to heaven or to hell with such surety and confidence and pride? Maybe being a quiet participant in feeding the hungry, caring for the sick and watching over those who are grieving could be a better answer. I was reading um, about 9-11 uh, recently, um, read uh, an um, article from the New Yorker by John uh, Seabrook. Uh, he writes, just after 9-11, uh, it's November 2001 when the article comes out, and he's writing about all the different engineers that worked on the World Trade Center. Uh, and he writes about all of their plans, the engineering plans, to make sure that the World Trade Center would be strong and sturdy, that it could handle any type of wind, that it could handle any type of storm or earthquake. And they even uh, you know, documented how they had gone to the point of making sure that it could handle not just one airplane strike, but two. 
Now the challenge was they were having these conversations in the 60s and 70s and planes were a certain size and a certain shape and they carried a certain kind of um, uh, uh, momentum. They didn't dream of what could happen in 2000 with two airstrikes. John Seabrook got to go to a conference where engineers were talking about construction of tall buildings, and one of the panel members was an engineer who'd been on the team that had built the World Trade Center, and somebody from the floor asked a question to this gentleman, what would you have wished different for the World Trade Center? And there on the stage, sitting on the panel, he weeps uncontrollably and says, I wished we had built it stronger. I wished it would have, um, I wished it would have lasted an hour longer. John Seabrook writes, how refreshing how refreshing to hear someone not explain away with excuses, not shift the blame to someone else, not um, uh, say I can neither confirm nor deny that we did or did not. No uh, political speak, no talking points, no shifting of blame, but just an honest repentance of saying, I wished we'd done better. We did our best, but I wished we'd done better. Acts of faith in a diverse world. It may be less about us confidently trumpeting to anyone who comes by all of our dogma and opinion. It may be as simple as not letting the categories harden in such a way that all that we know and all that we talk to are people who look just like us, but instead with repentance enter the conversation with repentance, confess that I am because you are. With repentance, uh, confess that there is a string that ties us all together. And an act of faith in a diverse world might be as simple as holding essentials in unity and non-essentials in charity. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Often when we come together, we, we praise God in many different ways. We do it through word, we do it through music. Sometimes we even do it in ways that we can touch and move and do. About once a month around here, we do this thing called communion. We come and we act faith with our bodies. In a moment, I'm gonna invite you to participate in a response of faith. In your bulletin, you probably received a string a little bit like this. If you didn't, the ushers have some extras. You can grab one from them. As we sing the song, Bind Us Together, if you don't know it, it'll be on the screen, don't worry. As we sing through twice, Bind Us Together, I invite you to move to these center aisles, the front and the back, to form a large circle as a community. When you find your place in the circle, take one end, tie it to your neighbor, Take the other end, tie it to the neighbor on the other side, and we will form together one great circle united in faith. Think we can handle it? All right. As we sing Bind Us Together, let us move into circle. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this community 
that you have gathered in body, but also for the greater community that you have gathered in spirit under one Lord. We lift to you today the joys and the concerns of our hearts. Those who are with us, who grieve or who are ill, those who could not be with us this day, those in our community who feel lost or lonely. We pray for wisdom for our leaders, both local and worldwide, that they too might find a way through the diversity in faith and in charity to see us all as one family. As we are bound here together as your children, help us to feel your spirit guide us forth from this place. Give us the confidence to work in the world and to pray even just as Christ our Lord taught us when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So, um, staying where you are, um, uh, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take their next step in their faith journey with Christ. And for some of us, that next step may just be knowing that we are tied to each other in such a special way as a community. Our closing song is Go Now in Peace. If today's the day that you'd like to join this congregation, we'd love for you to come up here uh, to the front uh, of the church and uh, accept you into membership today. Um, for now, why don't we, uh, David, uh, lead us in Go Now in Peace. Uh, you're already holding on to the string or somebody, so good job. Um, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we give thanks um, that salvation was not won by us building a tower to you, but salvation was a gift where you reached down, poured out your spirit, gave us Jesus as a savior, and the church as a place to live and grow. Send us out into the world, Lord, not to be uniformed, but instead to be united so that all might experience the grace that we've experienced here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.